friends. We're continuing our uh, Twilight Zone season, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, Hitchhiker. So we're going to have some more Twilight Zone. We have a female director here, Ida Lupino. We got guys. This is my. I, we we don't get to do this as often. We get some true crime time. We, we are going to have some real. We get a lot of true crime in this one. A real ghastly stories, and I'm sure we'll have to talk about hitchhikers. Uh, so, white women, this is the podcast for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> lots oh, of true yeah. crime. Yep. Shh. Welcome to a new episode of the Midnight Boys Present, a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my bum-eyed buds, Joe and Duff. My eyes are normal. <laughs> you, yeah, you don't wear glasses, do you, Joe? Not yet. Uh-oh. That day Not will yet. come, I, I would imagine, right? You, you're starting to have moments where all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can't see things like I well, used to. this guy, he didn't need glasses. He had a stroke and one eye wouldn't close, right? Is that the, is that canon? Uh, he, I, did he have a stroke? He just had an eye that was, a mangled eye that wouldn't close. I, did he I, have, like, the Tom York, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I no thought, surprises, Joe. <laughs> I thought that he had, uh, I thought they said he had a stroke. Okay. But oh. I don't know. But who's to say? No his, way to find out. His, his face be messed up. Uh, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, reminds me. That kind of reminds me. You guys know that thing, like, people who, there's, like, a condition where people sleep with their eyes open for real? I know it's very rare, but I I, I know it happens. Um, that's a deal breaker, right? It's kind of weird. I mean, I, you, actually, very weird. But yeah, I can't. That that's that's a deal breaker. Imagine just you're laying in bed with someone and their eyes are open the just, entire just, time. It's like laying next to a, a corpse almost. Yeah, no good. You just gotta like put quarters on their eyes while they're like sleeping. Queens. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're talking about this is I don't know this is our third episode of this series, yeah. Um, another dimension. We're talking about directors who worked on the original Twilight Zone show and also had work in Hollywood outside of that. So this one's a little different, guys. You know, the other ones have been people who started in TV, did the Twilight Zone, and then would eventually move on into Hollywood. A little different here. Here we've got. Uh, totally, totally different career here. We have a woman who uh, started as an actress, Ida Lupino, and then very successful as an actress. Eventually got into producing, which we'll get into, then got into some directing some movies, and then spent most of her later career directing on television, including Twilight Zone. And so, she was a TV star. Right. With so with a Duff. With the Duff, her, her uh, husband, I believe, as well. Howard Duff, I believe. Yeah. Um. So, you know, right away. <laughs> Sorry, I just started thinking if he was Howard the Duff. Howard the Duff. <laughs> Howard the Duff! <laughs> uh, I've never seen that movie, guys. We should That's, talk about it uh, yeah. some, some month. Uh, if we ever put it in the poll, patrons, please uh, please. I, I it, bet it will win. I would like to hear what Rob has to say about the duck sex scene. Yeah. Yeah, with, I would like to. With th- Leah Thompson. Oh, man. That's, Leah Thompson was... Smoke show too. That duck watch thought. her have sex with a duck. Yeah, that duck thought so. No, I you, don't. You kind of do though. <laughs> well, I'm, I am curious, Mallard. 
<laughs> don't you want to see if he has a corkscrew penis he puts in her? Ducks don't have that, do they? Yeah, they do. Yes. They and do. ducks, female ducks have like uh, fake vaginas. What has happened? We're not even. <laughs> they they have like they have like fake out vaginas where what? like when the the male duck rapes them, they could be like, "LOL, that was the fake one." <laughs> Quack. Come on, is that real? Yes. Well, I know, someone told I, it to me once. So <laughs> I I know that the corkscrew penis thing is real. I don't. That was pigs. Uh, well, there's there's alt. I think. Are you thinking of tails? No, <laughs> I get them mixed up sometimes. I think there are multiple animals Listen, with corkscrew. Hold penises. on, let's put a let's Keen put a eye. pin. Let's put a pin on the duck anatomy for the future Howard the Duck episode. Okay, that's okay. Fair. You know, um, when we do a Leah Thompson season. Ooh, Howard Thompson. Oh, Duff Duff got excited about that. Actually, that I, could be like a comic book failures season. Would maybe be some pretty fun movies. A lot of movies to pick from there. Yeah. yeah, well, like I mean, like the ones like box office failures. Sadly, there haven't been enough of them lately. More of them should have <laughs> failed. But um, the '90s had a fair amount in early 2000s. In the '80s too. Yeah, '80s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Today we're talking about the Hitchhiker, though, mm-hmm. right? 1953. Uh, Ida Lupino, I mentioned, uh, female director, which like is a big deal even now. 1953, super that's like, big deal. That's a unicorn. Yeah, and we'll we'll. And get I, to I like, don't mean that derisively. It's what just... kind of penises do unicorns have? Mm. All right, we can talk about that um, <laughs> another time too. Yeah, are maybe. unicorns gendered? I don't think so. Aren't I mean horses are? How would else would unicorns reproduce? I don't know. They're unicorns. I, they're one. Isn't their whole they, thing they, they're magical? They yeah. look pretty horny to me though. Oh boy, <laughs> that was I, that was all Joe. That was worse than anything I've ever done. <laughs> You like it. You love it's it. It's good. It's good. I appreciate it. Okay. So, Ida Lupino, all right? Female director, actress. She ended up not only directing an episode of Twilight Zone called The Masks, which we'll get to. She also is a couple fun facts about her. One, only female, I believe, in all the Twilight Zone episodes. To actually, Like the only female director of any Twilight Zone episode. I believe it. Um, and number two, the only person who starred in an episode, season one, she started an episode, the 16 millimeter shrine, which I did not watch. Um, Dolph, I'm guessing you may know, but I'm not sure. Uh, I, I know of it. I don't, I don't think it's super highly regarded. I, at this, I feel like I saw it a long time ago. I'm more familiar with uh, the masks episode and that episode slaps. Right. So the masks this is the last season of uh, twilight zone season five. She directs it. I watched it tonight. It is, it's very fun. All right. So, uh, sorry, uh, anyone who has uh, doesn't believe in spoilers. Uh, it's, not, it's from 1964. So I'm gonna tell you what happened in this show. Uh, I had mentioned Pace Magazine has a ranking. We've kind of been used this as like, well, what is the show? This is uh, number 41. The Mass number 41 on their ranking. So it's pretty high. Uh, okay. So here's what happened. There's it's it's Mardi Gras and there's this old man and he's dying. And the doctor comes and sees him, and he's sort of like, how long do I, you know, how long? He actually calls the doctor a bone saw. So it's the second <laughs> bone saw reference, uh, two episodes in a row for you us. You mean a saw bone? Saw bone. Yeah, but not a bone saw. Bone, bone saw, saw is, much- is the guy from Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, it's much- yeah. huh. <laughs> uh, Okay. So he gets told, like, you know what? Not much. You know, it's kind of moments. Actually, similar to the shootist that we talked about last week. Uh, and he's like, all right, well, I've got Did he give him more- an ass pillow? 
<laughs> so I got one more thing I got to do, and then I'll, you know, but I thank you, doctor. So his family comes to visit. It's his, it's his daughter, his daughter's husband, and their two children, uh, and their adult children, and uh, awful, awful, awful people. And so he's like, the dying guy's like, oh, you know, they all want his money. <clears throat> they want his will. They want him to die. And he's like, I got, you know, I got this one little thing. It's my last day. Probably not going to make it. What I'd like you to do is I, ha- I had these Cajun masks made. And I want each of you to wear a mask. And you can't take it off the whole night. Uh, and if you make it till midnight wearing the masks, then you can, you know, the will won't change and you'll get everything. And we're like, oh, no, you know. So he tricks them. He mind tricks them a little bit. And he explains each mask. He's saying, oh, what you do in the Cajun tradition is you wear a mask that's the opposite of your um, of your personality. So he, like, describes the masks, which describe identically the personalities of the people, right? Like the, the granddaughter's a narcissist like woman and she explains like he explains it differently is that to kind of trick them into he, all wearing them he uses his last moments on earth to own his horrible family mm-hmm. and rules so they all put these masks on they're all like creepy masks and they're complaining about it and they don't like it and he's wearing a mask of like death like a skull because he's like the opposite of living is death and uh Eventually, he has a final tirade where he, like, you know, complains to him all about just being terrible caricatures and all this. Then he it clock strikes midnight and he and then he dies. OK, and they're happy. They're like, oh, my God, he's dead. Thank God. Now we get the money. And then, Joe, they take the masks off and their faces have conformed to be the hideous features that were on the mask. Oh, I think I've seen this one before. It's pretty cool. Pretty it's, cool. It's pretty it, pretty metal. Yeah, like it's there's not like a lot of social allegory in this one, but it's just like it's very satisfying. It's like, yeah, those bad people got theirs. I, I also want to point out that Rod Sterling, you know, he always does like the intros and outros. By season five, you're like, boy, you have smoked thirty five years of cigarettes <laughs> since season one. Uh you look rough. Uh so that's that episode. It's a good episode. Uh so that that episode came out in uh, 1964. So it was actually before that she had started uh, having a she had a, a, a like a, a very good film career. I mean, she was as an actress, she was in like a Sherlock Holmes movie. She was in They Drive by Night. She was in some Humphrey Bogart movies like High Sierra, and uh, she ends up um, she ends up she does end up sort of having some conflict with the. Uh, with the studios, I think she wants to do more than they kind of are kind of pigeonholing her into. It's two big things. Now, she wants to make uh, social issue movies, which yep. is hard enough in those days. And also, she doesn't want to be uh, held into a contract. And that's why she leaves Warner Brothers and she leaves Columbia. Right. And kind of why she stakes out on her own. And ultimately, her and uh, wasn't Howard Duff. She Collier Young, I think. Collier Young. I don't know how to say it first she, name. She had a couple of bows. Uh, yeah. And but she uh, financed her first movies with him. Um, man, her life story is a trip. And one thing I had not realized until today, and um, I mean, in honor of Jade, guys, she had a f- house. <laughs> <laughs> we just recently learned that Paul Newman had one too. Oh, Did you guys right. see that story? Yeah, they had their own special room. Oh. So 
I was uh, there's an episode of You Must Remember This on Ida Lupino, and it, I mean, it all but says it that she had kind of a swinging party house in Beverly Hills where there was lots of drinking and booze. Would this been like in the 40s? Yes. Okay. The guests and frequent frequent visitors included Errol Flynn and Clark, Clark oh, Gable. Oh, man. Oh, can um, you imagine? And they said that eventually uh, she had to be str- treated because she strained her stomach muscles and had exhaustion. What? That's, okay. that's code for threw up too much. <laughs> Oh, okay. Or had okay. her stomach pumped. Uh, oh, one, boy. one of the. I mean, <laughs> this uh, this was a party house, man. <laughs> so, so she so she gets out of acting, <laughs> and she marries this guy who's a producer, and they end up like spinning off their own their own like production house called Emerald Productions. And then ends up renaming it, I think, to the Filmmakers Production Company, which honestly sounds like, you know, what we did with our podcast. And we're like, oh, this would be a great name. And no one is like, oh, no one can ever read about this again because it's such a basic yeah. name. But um, I think I think it's interesting because I mentioned like how I mean, she's not the first Hollywood director, female Hollywood director, but she is one of like in the first 50 years of Hollywood, probably the most famous one. Uh, and it kind of gives you an example of like how hard it would be to do that. Essentially, so she starts her own production company with her husband, and then on what movie was it? Was it um, on Dangerous Ground, maybe, or one of the the movies? The the director got sick, and since yeah, she was basic, the producer, basically she, she like go, did, like, she, did he get sick from partying at her <laughs> house? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, ba- I think he had a heart attack and basically like was slumped over in a chair, and she kind of directed it. <laughs> Right, so then she ended up directing it, and then that's how she ended up directing. And like, she didn't direct a ton of movies. Like, she essentially directed nineteen forty nine. It was Never Fear. No, Never Fear. I think is the one that she officially did. I think she uncredited did one called Not Wanted, and then she did Outrage, which <laughs> yeah. sounds uh, and, like and a these tough are, watch. These are movies about like. Uh, unwed mothers and abortion and sexual assault. Uh, having polio <laughs> was one R- of them. Like, y- yeah, yeah. This is not escapist fair. Uh, and which uh, brings us to uh, our feature night, which is pretty gritty. In fact, I'd yes. say very gritty for 1953. Yes, yeah. the Hitchhiker, which uh, very. I would say it's at its most gritty at the beginning. I was pretty actually shocked at like how gritty the beginning is where it's just like showing this movie is essentially about a serial killer uh who kills people he's a hitchhiker and he gets in the car with these two men we'll get to to these two men and essentially puts a gun on them and has them drive them drive him around so he can escape uh the authorities I, i think we need more movies with an opening title card that warns you about what you're about to watch. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That, it, that you're gonna see something graphic, but, <laughs> but, it, ha- but it happens every day. Yes, like uh, even if like that's what I appreciate about the Coen Brothers is they like with Fargo when they're like based on a true story and it wasn't. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just like throw stuff up there like that, even if it isn't true. I don't care. Yeah. I want you to make me worried about watching the movie. Yeah. 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 And and I want to be convinced that this is just a super common occurrence. <laughs> yes. Right. So this this is like a very we talk about lump cuts, 71 minute movie. It's on Amazon Prime. It's actually I learned today uh, uh because it's 
in the it's in the Library of Congress as historically preserved. You can just go. It's like the National Film Registry. You can just like watch it on there because it's it belongs to all record. of us. Yes. So it probably uh, looks better on their site than on Amazon. Yeah. Well, I mean, I should point that out. I it's on Amazon, and whatever anyone who's ever dealt with Amazon transfers, you Ugh. are rolling the dice. You are rolling. Man. the dice. This one was they they pointed a cell phone camera at a TV and then turned the VCR or the VHS version of this on. Yes, and that's and, what they put on the. On and the I have a so I same thing. I searched for it and I clicked play and I watched the first ninety seconds and I was like, no. Here's then, how you know you're in for bad stuff when Amazon has two different versions of the same movie on there. Yeah, because yeah. they aren't weren't careful with their cataloging. Then you know. Um, and one of suck. them looks fine. You have to find the right one. One uh, of okay. them looks. The one okay. I watched uh, was like full frame, but. It, it was window boxed and letterboxed for some reason. Yes. <laughs> That's when I watched it. I was just like, whatever. I'll just watch it like this. So it's big enough. So it's I okay. was able to watch it on Turner Classic Movies, and they got a nice transfer from the good folks at Kino Lorber. So mm, that one okay. that one was good. But uh, yeah, Amazon, you suck for many Weirdly, reasons. they don't seem to care about film history or preservation. I don't yeah. I can't imagine. Because weirdly, like their values are usually so high there. At, yeah, at they Amazon. they usually care so much about content and the customer experience. And well, they hire ways. someone to do it, but they never last more than three days. Hire someone else. <laughs> uh, so okay. uh, five people died uploading that. <laughs> uh, okay, so the beginning is just this guy killing people. I mean, it's quite like no nonsense. Just, just a hitchhiker being picked body up, body down, boom, body down, boom. Just, just, just no, racking no up motivation. Kills. No. Nope. Well, just, he needed. The, he needs their car, or he needs the. <laughs> he needs seven dollars out of their wallet, or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's 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 pretty shocking. So then we go to uh, two men, uh, Roy Collins and Gilbert Bowen, uh, and they boy are, are they they're having a depressing weekend road trip it's wow. it's a grim men's weekend that's what they're having <laughs> i was thinking like if we did a season of like uh men's weeks men weekend like dude trips gone wrong it would be this in deliverance for sure but like <laughs> these dudes start out the weekend the way the guys act at the end of deliverance they're just stoic and like at one point it's like hey maybe we can stop off at that bar and wherever it was and Hey, you remember that girl? He's like, oh, she's probably dead now. It's yeah, like, Whoa. these are men that saw some absolute horrors in World War II, <laughs> and this is as close as they get to fun. Well, that's what I was actually. Wondering. But by the end of the movie, like they actually seem like good friends and like yeah. decent guys, I guess. But well, so here's my question on this, and and you know, I listen. I feel like in 2022, this is we, we this is a question that probably gets overanalyzed and overasked on like any movie made pre 2010. But these guys in this fishing trip, <laughs> are they going on a fishing trip or are these guys, well, they you know? Do, they do have fishing poles. There's a whole scene where the guy basically calls them out that they're not clearly not going where they're supposed to be going. Right. Yeah. They're so not, is it a, is mean, it a, is it a broke back mountain thing? That's what I'm wondering. I don't know. Well, they, they seem very almost number one, almost antagonistic towards each other. And number two, just really depressed. Like, it doesn't seem like either person wants to be on this trip. Well, and then when they do get to, what is it, Mexicali, 
Yeah, and yeah. there's all those clubs. Like one of the guys just doesn't even want to wake up from his nap to stop there. That's so the like that part. undermines the idea that they're just going out to like get laid. to party, right? Because yeah. he's just like nah. But they also didn't go where they told their families they were going. Right? So, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. Yeah, this might be like and a, and they're also even after just like what three or four hours, they're so sick of each other's company. It's like oh, let's pick up a drifter, just lighting things <laughs> up. Well. I, I so I didn't really get the impression that they were mad at each other. No, not, I didn't not, either. Not like mad, but just. I, I think back then everyone just picked up hitchhikers, man. I think that's just, I, I, you it's do just it. the, that's just what you do. It's, it's the combination nice of just like just these, like you said, like just these stoic dudes who like were thinking about the Nazis they killed and all the <laughs> stuff they saw and and just need anything to feel again and need to. It's like oh, it's pick up a hitchhiker to distract us from the voices in our head well one, one of the one of the guys does seem like legitimately i think part of it is his like he mentions this is his first time like away from his like wife and family it's, i haven't been away from them for this long you know so, so part of me just seemed like you it's know the, he needed this time but also i don't well, know it's the first chance he has to think about the horrors of normandy now <laughs> <laughs> by the way one of these guys looks like a 1950s version of ron livingston all I could think of that was yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Just so that's that. so that's one thing I like about this movie, and part of this is because this is, you know, it's technically Hollywood, but it's the fringes of Hollywood. These are these are real looking people. These are right. Uh, li- I'll say they look lived in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so they they uh, they pick up this hitchhiker, which you're going to be surprised to hear was a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. And it ends up being the uh, the this Emmett Myers guy who's the hitchhiker killer, and he pulls a gun and takes him hostage, but does not kill them right away, and essentially just forces them to just drive around to like get away from the authorities to go through like California and into Mexico and just escape. So it does this hitchhiker just kind of want a dude's weekend because we've <laughs> we've seen him go we've seen him mow down several people. So right. why does he keep these dudes around? I think well, I, I think because Does he not know how to drive? I don't think he knows how to get places. Because mm. he he has them like look at the map and he's always like how far away is this? Like he he never like knows he's like oh how look read the map. How far away is that? Like he he has no idea I think okay. on how to like get somewhere. So I think he just needs these guys Okay. To like because he makes him he really makes no bones about it that once they've gotten him to where he's going he's going to murder them right which listen everyone knows in the true crime world now never go to a second location when you are captured right you do whatever you can to not go to that second location um so there's a little tip for everyone <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah you're welcome Joe so he he terrorized these guys. He like there's a part which I think is like a somewhat famous scene, maybe the more famous scene in this movie where like he has one guy just like hold out a tin can and then he sh- like shows how good of a shot he is, but he makes the other guy make those shots too. So like yeah, that's misses, the best scene in the movie, I think. Yeah, can you imagine if that was like one like two of us were captured and like <laughs> I had to hold a tin can and hope Duff made the shot? Oh Bro, no, ridiculous! No way, I would not feel confident. Sorry, bud. <laughs> I I mean, who would feel confident in this situation? Like it. Ugh. Uh, so, so, guys, I bet that car smelled horrible. Yeah, <laughs> the like, windows are open the whole time. Uh, like the, they're true. driving through Mexico. It's been uh, 
It's been yeah, a couple. It's a been a couple days. It's you know I can't imagine a car from that era has great air conditioning. Would you just be chain smoking just to cover up the smell? Oh uh, yes, I would. And I, from nerves. I mean, at that point, yeah. I don't think lung cancer is a big concern. For no. <laughs> um. So yeah. So essentially, the police in the U.S. and the Mexico uh, end up like eventually hunting him down and uh, killing Myers. I like um, I like how the Mexican police are the smart ones. And the, yes, the yeah the the American police don't know what the hell they're doing. And and the other thing I'll say, like you know, seventy one minute movie, this goes by fast. I will say, I wish they never showed scenes of the like police. Yeah. Like there's there's these scenes of like the police where he kind of gives like oh they're getting close. Like we don't need to know that. We can just yeah. hear it from the radio. We, it's best if we don't know what's happening. Yeah, I was happy they didn't show them more. Now, so the version I watched, uh there are no subtitles for the Spanish dialogue. Was there supposed mm-hmm. to be? I don't think so. There weren't on mine either. Oh, okay. So yeah. I was just curious about that. But I didn't yeah, it's, enough to, to check. Yeah, we there were probably three too many scenes where it's just a you know, a Mexican cop and an American cop talking to one another, and it's the same scene over and over. Yeah, like pointing on a map where they could yeah, be. Like, yeah, get rid of this. I don't need this. Like, so I came out of it happy. as like, I'm glad they didn't make, like, a, a detective, like, a central character, and we bounced back and forth. Like, right. That would have been even worse. But still, even in a 71-minute movie, somehow they still spent too much time yeah. on that other and side al- of it. Also, like, you know, I would say this is definitely – uh, uh, film noir but like there's no there's no like woman in this movie like there's there's no like uh you know sex interest or anything like that there's no detective it, it it's just like gritty crime and these two these two dudes are very much like you know wrong men you know they just they just want to maybe possibly go fishing maybe fishing quote unquote uh but yeah, I mean, and the other might, thing I they think they might cast their rod around <laughs> here and there. The other thing about this movie is the way uh the I mean the way like one of the one of the guys in the car um O'Brien is definitely like the weaker one of them and the uh, the serial killer uh Myers is the one he really like bullies him the most. Uh and it does seem like this movie is probably, you know, especially considering Ida Lupino helped write it and direct it uh is about like masculinity and fragility of it because like it's just the way they shoot the gun not the way they actually fire the gun but the, the way you see the gun just kind of like poke up almost phallically from time to time i think like he picks on that power. dude because it's not his gun because he doesn't shoot real right. real men shoot guns yeah well the other guy like is a good shot and everything the other guy like the lovejoy character you're like this guy i mean in a fight i might trust this guy yeah, you know, he's like he, he's the brains of the two. He's patient. He's just like we just gotta, you know, we'll find our time. And the other guy's like, we gotta go now. <laughs> and so, uh, I, I like this movie. I mean, it, it's uh, I guess so when it's just the three of them, and uh, and it's I mean, it's a pretty scary scenario. And as we mentioned, the bum eye, the serial killer guy. You know, they, they'll sleep outside at night, and the guy's like, "Yeah, it's my eye doesn't close, so you won't know." <laughs> when i'm sleeping or not and that's scary too yeah that's a that's a cool plot device yeah it's Uh, been used before like in other stories like i sleep with my eyes open and things like that but it mm -hmm. it, it's used sparingly enough where it it still works and at least his was a little unique with the eye injury or whatever it is yeah right right um so yeah so then uh 
we'll go back to this movie in a second. But then Ida Lupino does this. She does a few more. She does a movie. I only other movie I've heard I've seen is The Bigamist, which is about she's actually stars in that movie too. Where it's about this guy who's got two wives, one in one part of California. I would hope one so. In, Otherwise, that's a false advertising <laughs> title there. <laughs> one in LA and one in San Francisco. Man, if I go to a movie called The Bigamist and it's just one couple the whole time, I'm going to be pissed <laughs> off. Uh, and like the one in San Francisco can't have a kid for like can't have children so she works all the time and then the one in LA can have a kid so that's sort of the like conflict there um so yeah so that movie is 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 pretty solid too i i i do want to see outrage which sounds like once again these posters for these movies are like i mean outrage just as victim of attack and exclamation marks is outrage like, the one about sexual assault yeah yeah uh um, she uh, so she uh, fell in with Howard Hughes. Um, she had actually been uh, a Hughes girl long ago in like the '30s, and then like when she was like between husbands, she uh, kind of like it was kind of like a mutual relationship where she's like, "I want to make movies," and Howard Hughes like make them tawdry and sexy, and she's like, "Well, not necessarily sexy, but that's how she got to make like." kind of risque movies and still have rko backing okay okay uh also uh to tie it back one of the movies that the her production company made was called private hell 36 which is directed by don siegel oh nice so um so then after you know she made she only made movies for like six years no she only directed movies for four years uh and then well, uh, Howard Hughes went crazier and crazier. <laughs> yeah, Howard Hughes, not a great guy, as we've talked about before. Uh, and then she went, went up and ended up doing television. So that's where we get the Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Have Gun Will Travel, she had, Gilligan's Island. And then, like, she had, yeah, she wrote a Gilligan's Island. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had her, she starred with her, um, uh, not, I don't know if they got married or not, but they were together like 30 years. They were and married, it was, yeah. It was kind of a, like domestic sitcom, I forget what. It, uh, Mr. Adams and Eve. That was it. Oh. My notes here. I know she was also in a Batman, uh, like the the Batman show with with him too. Is like they were two villains. Yeah, when so she was she, older. was she was I would say like a B rate celebrity in the sixties. Yeah, that sounds right. But yeah, Hitchhikers was checking out, like, especially if you like true crime stuff. I mean, it is based off a true story, which um, we will get to. And boy, is it dark. Um, the other thing I was going to say, you know, Joe, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. If you were kidnapped and they already took you to another location, are you, are you doing air? Are you running errands for them? I don't want to die, man. So like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I feel like at that point I might've already lost. So it's just like, no, yeah, I, I don't really think I'd ever give up. Yeah, I think I think the other part of me, I guess would be like, well, if I don't do it, then they'll just find someone else, you know? See, like, and, and I guess this, like I guess, this... I, there's always something that could happen, right? There's always even if that, like even if there's a point one percent chance I get saved, like. Well, and especially in this situation, and this is why I don't think that uh, the the hitchhiker is the the sharpest tool, mm-hmm. is that to keep people in line, usually you tell them that you'll let them go once right. you'll get where you're going, whereas like this dude. Like, he's pretty much presented them with a situation where it's like, well, what do I have to lose? He's going to kill me anyway. Gotcha. Okay. He, That's true. They, they should have thrown one of those huge cans of beans at him. 
<laughs> that I will say that's another scary scene is when they do try to escape at night and it looks like they're okay and then the car comes flying by and he's doing car pranks on him and I was like oh man, car that's prank. scary uh, and what's his face get he immediately gets his foot caught in something yeah. I don't know what it is they're they're in like a big open field and he fo- oh no, no I found the one gopher hole <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be you, Duff. That would be me. That would be you. How I, don't, did you, I don't. I don't. It was know, completely flat. How did you find the one spot? I don't know how to fire a gun. I would have found the one depression in a wide open flat field. I'd be made to stand out there and hold up a tin can while one of you jokers had to shoot it out. <sighs> um. So should we talk about? I don't. I didn't like when he killed a dog. I'm just gonna say that. Well, okay. That's that's a good that's a good segue to the true oh, crime thing. Christ. All <laughs> right. So this is from crimereads.com. I will uh, <laughs> I will put it it's not dot .net. It's a dot .com. It's a dot .com. So this guy uh, this this character is based off a real crime. Uh, his name was uh, William A real Cooper. crime? A real a real a real criminal. Real, I see what you did. Real criminal. Uh, Billy Cook or William Cook. Let me tell you guys, this guy's background, not great. Uh, you could see this coming. Like, I'm going to say you could see this coming. He was born in a shack in Missouri. <laughs> he was hey, so, under- so was Elvis, and he didn't, <laughs> he didn't murder people. Yeah, real sliding door situation here. <laughs> um, he was an undernourished five-year-old when his mom died, leaving him and his seven siblings in care of their father. Boy. Their father. Their father uh, drove them to an abandoned mine shaft. <laughs> God, come on. Su- supplied them with a couple of blankets, a flashlight, a jar of jam, some crackers, cornflakes, and a can of spam, then drove away to never be seen again. Ugh. That's the origin story. <laughs> wow. So, so that's, um, that's the opening crawl right there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they get discovered a few days later. They end up going out to foster families, but Billy bit of a handful um and he had a outside of like having some you know to being a difficult person he uh had a defective eye that even after a pair of operations never closed properly so they weren't able to find anyone to watch this belligerent kid so they sent him off to a training school which you'll be shocked to hear guys wasn't great um pretty you know not another another pretty terrible uh that was area. Back, that, back then that was just what you said when you sent your kid off to work in a mine or something like oh he's he's off in a training program or he's yeah he's getting schooled so um so he, he he goes and does that and uh and he uh let's see what happens so then he starts around by the time he's around 11 years old he starts uh getting into some trouble uh 14 yeah, he ends up uh, starting to rob different places and going back to reformatory school where he'd receive beatings with a rubber hose. Also not great. Um, he breaks out, does some car thefts, um, and he uh, has, you guys, no interest in learning a trader skill. And on his, <laughs> on his left hand, he gets a tattoo. You could get this tattoo, Duff. I know, you, I know you're a tattoo boy. Mm-hmm. Something to think about here. The fingers of his left hand now bore the crudely tattooed letters "Hard Luck." <laughs> Just on one hand? Yeah. 
Hmm. I hope it so was like you could a, a real... put that. You could do like a Night of the Hunter thing there. Yeah. Yeah. I hope yeah, it was a. I hope it was a janky like prison do-it-yourself tattoo. So he well, uh, he only had one good eye to look at its hands with. So. <laughs> that's true. Maybe it was only the eye. The eye he could. The hand he could see with the eye. So he. Uh, you know, ends up going to a penitentiary for a while. He, inmate teases him, which he beats him nearly to death with a baseball bat. <laughs> uh, wow. He gets re- he gets released. He finds his father, who's living in a mining shack. And the father asks him, what are you going to do now that you're cut loose? And Billy replied, I'm going to live by the gun in Rome. I thought you were going to say he killed his dad for leaving him in that mine. That would seems like that would, that's that, a, that's that would be a good place to start. Um. So he ends up earning enough money as a dishwasher to buy a pistol, and then he goes off, and uh, a uh, a mechanic, a fifty six year old mechanic, offers him a ride. He's a, he's, a hitch, he's hitchhiking, and they traveled for a few hours. And then Billy Cook drew his gun, ordered him to pull off the road, takes his money, locks him in the trunk, and gets behind the wheel and takes off. However. Young Billy here wasn't familiar with manual transmissions oh, and kept stalling the car. Lousy millennials. <laughs> well, inside the trunk, the art, the guy that he had uh, kidnapped freed himself with a jack handle and just jimmied the lock and ran off. Okay. That guy lived. So then uh, he heads you know, northeast to Tulsa. His, his, his car gives out. He abandons the car. And then another car goes by, and inside was the Moser family, which is a, a 33-year-old man, Carl, his 29-year-old wife, Thelma, their three small children, and, Duff, I'm sorry to tell you, their little white dog. Hmm. And did any of them make it? <clears throat> they were going to go visit uh, Carl's twin brother, and uh, they, they gave him a lift, and uh, he gets in the car, and he pulls out his gun, sticks in the wife's side, and orders the husband to drive, which they did. For 72 hours as they zigzagged Ugh. around through four states. <laughs> At one point, they go to a tiny grocery store in Wichita Falls, Tennessee. Mosier, Carl Moser ends up grabbing Billy Cook, pins his arms, and shouts to the elderly attendant. Ready for the name of the elderly attendant? Uh, let me try to guess it. Okay. Um, Cletus. E.O. Cornwall. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where is this e- again? This is in uh, Wichita Falls, Texas. E.O. Cornwall. Huh. All right. Cornwall, which was – he was described in news counts as confused and unalert, well, pulled a forty-four caliber revolver from beneath the counter and ordered them all out of the store. Oh, good. So Cook has them back in the car, drive, has them drive more than 2,000 miles through Texas, New Mexico, Arkansas, and into Missouri. Uh, it's not going well. And then uh, Cook uh, bound and gagged Carl and his wife, tied up the children's hands um, with the chin cords from the Hopalong Cassidy hats the boys had received for Christmas. Oh, man. And he shot all five of them along with the family dog. Don't do that. And then he drove the corpses to an abandoned mine and dumped them down a shaft. Don't do that. Then he goes off to Tulsa, leaves the car, gets on a bus, starts kind of hopping around on buses because the cops can't find him. Um, and then there's a big, big hunt for him, and uh, he ends up in California again. And they go to like a guy who knows him's house, and who answers the door but Billy Cook. So Billy Cook uh, takes a lawman, and he uh, puts it in his neck, takes his pistol, and leads him off into the desert in the patrol car. And he 
talks to all the people he killed and stuff. However, turns out that he knew the law guy's wife, who was a co-worker of his at the diner he worked at when he earned enough money to buy the original thing, original gun, so he decided to not kill him. Hmm. So then he pulls over. Now he's got the cop car. He pulls over another car, which is a vacationing guy uh, uh, from Seattle, shoots that guy in the head, puts in the patrol car, and then drives towards the Mexican border. Uh, and then eventually he gets caught once again in Mexico. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The car breaks down, and he asks for another ride, and now we get to the plot of The Hitchhiker where these two guys, James Burke and Forrest Damron, a pair of amateur prospectors on a gold hunting <laughs> expedition. On. They were taken hostage at gunpoint, and then, similar to this movie, over the next week forced to drive a 450-mile journey through Baja California Desert listening to radio bulletins about the hitchhiking killer. And uh, eventually uh, they're in Santa Rosalia. They're south of the border. And the chief of the Tijuana police um, captures them when they're at a cafe and arrests them without a struggle. Boy. So, um, and what, then so. What a, what a road trip. What, a, what great... a road trip. So Ida Lupino interviewed both the two guys. Oh, wow. That, um, you know, we're dro- driven around, and also I believe he towards the end, Billy Cook, he ended up getting the death penalty. He refused to see a prisoner chaplain or, or talk to the warden. He did, however, meet with one visitor, Ida Lupino, who hmm. was eager to secure the rights to his story and came uh, to San Quentin to have him sign a release. Little in cold blood situation there. Yep. So that's the real story of the hitchhiker. Terrifying. Man. Yeah, what you know what? He sounds like a real jerk. Sounds like a real jerk. <laughs> I agree. Didn't pay for gas. <laughs> didn't even offer. Probably I, didn't I mean, pay. isn't that the hitchhiker quote was it ass, gas, or grass? Gotta give one of them. <laughs> Is yeah. that what it was? Yep. So maybe that maybe that's a good segue. Um so I Oh no. Uh, no, I mean I have story? I have a an, a horrifying true crime story as well related to hitchhiking, but do you guys remember seeing Hitchhikers? Like, Some in the summer. Really? I haven't seen one in forever, but I, re- I remember that even in the late 80s, early 90s, it was still a common occurrence. Like, we, my family and I, we did a lot of uh, road trip vacations, and we would see them fairly often, and I can't remember the last time I saw a Hitchhiker. I feel, I wonder if there's parts of the country where there's still more Hitchhikers but in the Midwest, that's it's kind of a rarity now. I've definitely seen hitchhikers like normally on the edges of the city by like a an exit ramp onto the freeway with like a sign or something. I've definitely seen that like not too long ago. Okay, so I it, didn't pick them up. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I you know I was just I was wondering like you know where the hitchhikers went because it's definitely something that's uh not as big as it used to and it's probably good well uh, I, I would say it maybe it's bad like <laughs> t- like just hear me out here like isn't that the sign of a disease society that you just like can't trust a random person who needs help hmm. so that that is a good point and the you know the first reaction to that i think i had and other people have about you know why aren't there hitchhikers anymore it's like oh because they're all murderers but that's 
actually kind of like a stranger danger type thing. Yeah, I was about to say, like, it seems like I bet the odds of a, a, a hitchhiker harming you in any way are probably incredibly slim. Like, is this kind of like a trick or treat candy urban myth thing? So I I didn't have time to listen to the whole thing. This guy was a guest on some public radio thing, and he said, obviously, it's really hard to research. We don't have a lot of hard data on hitchhikers. No. But he said that more than, you know, it being unsafe or murdery, uh, that it's probably more likely that uh, just transportation became uh, more reliable and accessible. I mean, you think about like, you know, post-World War II up until now, like uh, cars became accessible to people and cars used to like only last like five years. And tires used to blow out way more often too. Yeah. So it's just kind of a combination of that transportation became more accessible and that there wasn't as big a need for it. So my dad talks about how back in like the 60s and 70s, I guess probably more of the 70s, like uh, him and his brother and their friends used to ride motorcycles. And he would say, like, if you're going on a motorcycle trip, there would always be now again, the source of this, my dad. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but this doesn't, uh, you know, so he said like, they, if you'd have a group going around on, mo- like going on a trip on motorcycles, there'd usually be somebody that would be following the group in a pickup so that when a motorcycle broke down, they could just like right. load it up into a pickup Right. Although I don't understand how they got it into the pickup. Maybe no. they, maybe the pickup was towing a trailer. I don't know. But he would say that that was like somewhat standard. So then you could throw that thing into the pickup or the trailer or whatever he meant, and then give it a ride <laughs> to the service station. Because back, he says back then motorcycles broke down all the time. Right. Yeah. Which I don't know. That doesn't sound like. BS that sounds me. like it would be true. And if if you know you're talking the '60s and stuff, you could probably take your truck and drive it off into the curb and like lower the gate and back up so you can kind of like wheel the motorcycle. This that this way was too. part of his story for the time uh, a vigilante group escorted his group out of the Dells. But that's another story. <laughs> out of the Dells. Yeah. The Dells always comes back to the Dells. Yeah. Oh my God. So so I, so yeah, I do. You know, I hadn't really thought about it, but I do think that, you know, everyone's first reaction is, oh, serial killers and whatnot. But it part of it might be that it was in some ways a self-fulfilling prophecy like the stranger danger thing and that everyone just became afraid and stopped letting their kids go out. And maybe people stopped hitchhiking because there were there were a couple of very high profile uh, cases of hitchhikers but ironically it was of hitchhikers being abused by the people who picked them up right and right one very famous one that i was not familiar with that i came across today which is just horrifying is uh the story of colleen stan quotes the girl in the box oh no Um, she was hitchhiking and oh, was God. P- picked up by a couple, a 23, 23-year-old man named Cameron Hooker and his wife, Janice, who was 19. Um, what year is this? Uh, 1977. Oh, okay. It's the height the, of sickle stuff. Yeah, I was about to say, did all of the most awful things happen in the 70s? It was, it was just that Manson hangover, man. It lasted a full decade. <laughs> just so... Uh, Cameron and his wife, Janice, 
uh, they had been act- actively looking for a hitchhiker to kidnap. Not only that, they were looking for a sex slave. They were looking oh, for, man. they were into like BDSM stuff. Right. Uh, shortly after they picked her up, uh, they veered off into the road. And that's when Cameron got out the head box. That oh, It was a 20 pound box. And they eventually took her back to their home. Uh, she was what's t- in the box she was tied to she was tied to the ceiling she was beaten and just all types of torture and initially there was an agreement that he would not have sex with her uh guys i think you know uh that didn't last long he wasn't honorable he was not honorable <laughs> um eventually they moved to a mobile home and colleen was kept in a coffin like box under the bed for up to 23 hours a day uh, the couple had two young daughters who didn't realize that Colleen was being kept against her will because eventually they would see her like one hour a day. Eventually, there was like there was like Stockholm syndrome, um, and they it was kind of like cult brainwashing because the wild thing is after a while, like Colleen would go out and like have a job and just come back and oh, be like come boy. back to her abusers. And it's awful. They brainwashed her into thinking that she was under the watch of a satanic organization called the company. And she was told that the company had the home bugged and that if she tried to run away, they would get her. Uh, so she was held for seven years. That's too long. Uh, <laughs> seven years, seven years. Um, I don't and- didn't even make movies for seven years. <laughs> She this this girl was in a box like the length of time the Beatles made all their music basically. Uh, so and in, in some ways this makes it even sadder and less satisfying is that there was no real grand escape. Uh, do you know what did her in was that again old Cam did her, her well, in or the the people who st- well, stole her. What what happened is Cameron he wanted to marry her. And, okay. and Janice, Janice was like, no way. And so Janice went to the cops and Janet, like, obviously there was probably some, like, not to, you know, absolve Janice of any of this, but I feel like Janice was probably brainwashed and had Stockholm syndrome as well. But she basically confessed that they had picked this girl, this woman up and like used her as a sex slave and kept her literally in a box. And wow. so this was, uh, I guess this was a big deal. Like in the early eighties, there've been some books and movies based on it. Uh, Colleen's changed her name and she's still alive. Uh, there was a television film in 2016 made called the girl in the box. Wow. And I, you know, I, I, I went into some things. I didn't get into the specifics of what they did to her. Cause I don't need to know that it's, you're gonna, that's not for this show you're gonna you're gonna look it up the second we're done though i know it and there's pro- yes. there's probably like a, a last podcast on the left about this i'm not aware of but man like just sicko stuff and that that probably didn't help the reputation of hitchhiking not because of the hitchhikers but like and i feel like that's actually my bigger concern is like oh people who picked me up they might do stuff yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I also think cell phones makes a big difference too on like picking someone up, right? Whoa, like before right. you get you be stuck and you're like, well, what do I do? I just got to walk to town. Where now you can just be like, well, I'll just call someone. Yeah. Also, like, like the idea of like drifters. You don't really hear about that much now. Maybe or may- near do wells. Yeah. <laughs> Transients. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's still like, like I mean, it's, it's not like it, there's like, not a massive homeless population that's still like. Yeah. You know, I mean, they didn't go away. That's just like, I think of like, you know, the plot of the, the first Rambo movie of First Blood is like, he's just kind of a drifter and the sheriff's like, nah, you get out of my town, buddy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, it's kind of just harder to subsist on with a lifestyle like that. Like, yeah, we live in a largely cashless society. Mm-hmm. Like like yeah. the idea like in 1980 you could maybe go from town to town and pick up odd jobs for people and stuff like that, yeah. And like, not, as, just... not as much paper trail. Yeah. Well, also, but I mean, also like Joe's point is right. Like you you can just like go to a town and look, you know, stop by a couple businesses and see if there's, you know, yeah. is there anyone that needs any work need, done? Do you need a laborer for the day or right. something? Right, and then you can make some money and you know eventually go off to another place um that's I a little i know we tougher. still explain you could always go to spooner and like rob's dad would have found something for you to do yeah, right? <laughs> yeah i mean now I, you need to have your own soundcloud or something i know to... that we still exploit uh immigrants that way uh right but yeah i think it's not as easy as it used to uh speaking of uh of immigrants uh one thing also about the movie the hitchhiker this uh, serial killer emmett myers seems a bit racist too guys oh, what really? Uh, wow, yeah, because wow, that's unique for a serial killer. <laughs> They're usually so woke. Yeah, yeah, he's very mean to the to the when they're in Mexico to the people they talk to. Um, very upset about them. <laughs> Stop Spanish. talking Mexican. Yep, <laughs> very upset about that. Uh, and once again, the guy, the the Lovejoy guy, the guy who's good at the gun and is calm and has a plan. He of course knows Spanish as well. I did um, see a review of this movie that complimented how. Uh, any interactions with Mexican people, they seem like real people. They're not caricatures, and yeah. they're actually right. Yeah, you know, that's they're, true. They're, you know, just they're like an average person you'd meet. They're not broad caricatures. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, well, friends, is there anything else you want to talk about with the hitchhiker or um, hitchhiking in general? It's or got Adelopino? pretty dark. <laughs> well. I think we gave people the content they want. People yeah. want that. If we know anything, people want true crime. Um, well, friends, we are going to continue on this journey uh, with the most acclaimed movie, probably, that we're going to talk about. Um, maybe not. I mean, we also talked, eh, probably, out of the past. We're going all the way back Mitchum, baby. to 1947 to talk about out of the past um and uh i believe we'll talk about on the episode but i believe somewhere someone made some magazine or webzine or whatever made like uh the best film noirs of all time i believe this was number one it it pops up usually in the top 10 yeah so um going we're we're sticking with the noirs though we're going that route and, uh, you know, listeners, as always, we have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys if you want to hear me get mad because um, I just found out today that our next Patreon, which will have already 
been published by the time this episode comes out. Uh, we're talking about Ernest Scared Stupid because that is what the people wanted. The American Tati. Uh, uh, Jim Barney. Oh my God! Uh, <laughs> just a just a gifted physical comic. Yeah, we're doing that. So if you want to hear me get mad for an hour, you're gonna like. Like I don't. Okay, I don't like that. Like, have an open mind. I mean, I've seen enough Ernest. I know what I'm getting into. This is. <laughs> I don't understand. This, this one. This that. one. This one has <laughs> evil trolls, though. This is this is big budget Ernest. I like how you're like you're only you've only seen three or four Ernest movies. You don't you, you need to see the whole the whole <laughs> filmography to totally get it. Well, and then it, it all it's cl- like a puzzle, clicks. and you're just picking up three puzzle pieces, and you're like, this puzzle's <laughs> dumb. Well, put it together first. <laughs> I'd rather be in that box for twenty three hours. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Well, listeners, thanks so much for listening. Sorry, it got dark. Uh, check out The Hitchhiker. Read a little bit about Ida Lupino. Very interesting career. Long career. I mean, she was, you know, doing stuff in Hollywood and TV for essentially almost 50 years, which is yeah. pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah.